this podcast and actually my business wouldn't be as pretty if it weren't for our friends from Musicbed. Find the perfect song for your films with a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a Wedding Bossness listener, you could get your first month of subscription free or 20% off of a single song purchase. Just enter the promo code WEDDINGBOSSNESS when you check out. Or just click on the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Wedding Bossness Podcast, the wedding videography podcast that talks to business experts and asks the question, how can I make my business thrive? Today's guest is Dixie Bagley, and she is here because we were supposed to talk about working on your business while working in your business, but it kind of like spiraled into something bigger and something that I feel wedding vendors need to know, especially if you're trying to get into a venue's vendor list or if you want to open up your own venue. She has a wedding venue and she had something magical that she shared and you guys need to listen to it. I love learning and I believe that the best lessons are learned from the most unsuspecting sources. Just like I learned the best video lighting tips from a photographer, the best sales closing tactic from a random car salesman, my editing process from a chef, I'm so honored that Dixie's here, and I cannot wait to share this interview with you. Just like what Lyndon B. Johnson said, you aren't learning anything when you're talking. Thank God this is a podcast. So I want you guys to sit back, relax, and I'm sure we're both going to learn something today. This is the Wedding Boss Podcast. Can you hear me? I can. Sweet. Thanks, Dixie. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get to know you better and hear about you as well. Oh, man. We are going to have a really nice discussion. I can feel it. So, <laughs> so before we start, I would love it if you tell the listeners and the viewers something about yourself that they'd probably be surprised to know about. Um, probably be surprised to know that I'm a formal, former personal trainer, um, did CrossFit training uh, before CrossFit was a thing and did pull-ups from trees and silly, stupid stuff like that that I put my body through and other people as well, <laughs> um, and then turned into, went hardcore from a personal trainer to a venue owner and wedding planner. Wow, CrossFit. I, so I did CrossFit. Maybe about two years ago. Oh, no, no, no. Or maybe about four, four years ago. And I can tell you that I miss CrossFit so much. But my wife, she can't really keep up because she's a lot shorter than me. And, you know, it was just too much. But, you know, I really miss CrossFit. For Yeah, it can be, it can be addictive. <laughs> it's, it's funny because um, there, there was a time when all we talked about was CrossFit and people who talk about CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you said you went from CrossFit to having a venue. I, I, I love hearing origin stories. So do you mind telling us uh, your origin story, like how you started and what you're up to right now? Sure. So um, as I mentioned, I was a personal trainer and 
man who mentored me to be a trainer decided, got this bright idea that we'd sign up for a marathon and train to run a half marathon. And so we were training to run a half marathon. And unfortunately, he fell over and died while training. Um, I'd already owned the farm at that point and was really just grooming the farm to be my home. I intended on turning the barn, remodeling it and turning it into my home. My husband is a builder. And so that was my intention. And the day that he died, his son was going to propose at our house at a party. Um, needless to say, he did not. Oh and so a few months passed and I just told my husband, I was like, I'm going to offer to throw little Scott's wedding at the farm. I was like, we can do it as a community. We're going to come together and potluck this and donate everything we need, you know? And so that's what I did. And after I did that, people just kept asking me to do weddings. And I had this very set idea in my head of what weddings were like and what the wedding world was like and wedding planning and why I wouldn't fit in because I was a guy's girl and training and, you know, my mentality of where I was of being a trainer. And finally, a after about six months, I kind of got tired of people asking me. So I decided I would do it. And I just chose the name, the farm with not a whole lot of thought there. <laughs> and um, within six months of doing it, I was booked nonstop. And it turned out that the, everything that I was in the way that I was very upfront with people and honest and not too, you know, I guess wedding me, um, <laughs> what you see on TV, you know, what you saw on TV rather 10, 12 years ago with the wedding industry was kind of a very formal um, pushy, aggressive um, thing, the way the in wedding industry was portrayed. And I wasn't that way at all, but I was very upfront and honest, a matter of fact, and people really liked it. And it, I'm fortunate it worked really well for me uh, and, and to my advantage. And I quickly got the reputation for being upfront and honest with people while, you know, sub uh, giving them a quality experience. That's cool. You know, I've I've always wanted to own a venue like the my my retirement plan was owning a venue because I love doing weddings, but I don't think I could do it forever, especially for us videographers carrying all these heavy things around. So I've always wanted to do uh, venues and I the story that you have is it's just so full, like the, the the background of the venue and how you started. And I was wondering what are the pros and cons? Give me like a picture before we go into what we're supposed to talk about. Give me a, a snapshot of what a day or a week in a vendor owner's life is. Um, it's as a venue owner, it's very busy. So I'll, I'll start. Let's just say start with Monday. Monday is typically a recovery catch up day because on the weekend, I'm not able to you know, be on email, social media, all of that kind of stuff because of my weddings. Um, and then typically Tuesday through Thursday, we're prepping the venue as far as getting um, the grounds ready, making sure everything's cleaned and disinfected and washed and replaced. So that's a, we're a very big venue. We're 300 acres and we also have seven guest cottages um, for on-site lodging. So we're not your plain old venue by any means. So during the week, I do that as well as new numerous other meetings with our bakery that we own, my wedding planning company that we own, and then my husband's companies. Um, typically on Friday, guests are rolling in, checking in, um, and we normally have an all-weekend wedding um, until Sunday, and then back to starting all over again. Oh, wow. You have so many hats. Holy moly. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. So... <laughs> Do you, just you talking about him, like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that she's doing. And I, you know, <laughs> I expect that from venue owners because 
you just don't open doors and then close it at the end of the week. I'm pretty Some sure. Some venues do, and those are typically the ones that don't provide the best service. Correct. I hate to say that, but. So here's the thing. Like, um, right now, I know that a lot of people, we're recording this during the pandemic, in the midst of the pandemic, and I know a lot of vendors are scrambling like how to connect with um, venues or how to get work by itself, right? So I mm-hmm. was wondering, you know, if, if a vendor is looking to connect with a venue that they've worked with in the past, um, what are the best practices for getting in touch and connecting with the venue right now and maybe in the future when things are a little bit smoother? Yeah, well, I think right now is a perfect time to be working on your relationships with vendors, venues in the industry. I mean, unless you have another job, you know, you've got plenty of time and essence to do this. I joke and say that right now, right now it's time to be posting stuff on social media because pretty much everybody's at home or somewhere with their phone just scrolling, you know, mindlessly. So definitely is now the time to take advantage of those types of things. Um, you know, as far as reaching out, if you're a vendor, this is an excellent time to reach out to your favorite venues. I mean, everybody needs support right now. And whether you're reaching out through a virtual meeting or actually scheduling a visit somehow, it's a great time to really get to know each other because during wedding season, during the typical timing of weddings going on in the normal life, we don't really have a whole lot of time. And for me, that's one of my things that I probably like the least about weddings is we get to come together and with my favorite vendors and we spend this fabulous weekend together and then they're gone (laughs) and we didn't get to really enjoy each other and appreciate each other. Um, I typically, because of that, will often host just an open house here at my house, come to the pool, hang out. We'll have tacos just for vendors. So I can just hang out with them and get to know them and show them my appreciation. I think that reaching out, I do that as a vendor, but but I think for a vendor reaching out like that, is important and there's nothing to be scared of of them saying no or anything like that but not doing it through the regular email where you're like hey my name is xyz vendor i want to be on your preferred vendor list that is a no <laughs> you need to call me or reach out to me on social media and be real and let's get to know each other and see if we're a good fit and if we already know each other it's a great time for us to sit down and powwow about the ways we can increase revenue and and build each other's clientele and social media presence for when this all returns to normal. You just answered all my questions in my head. I'm like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to ask her this one. And then you start answering. Did you know that I read my also? (laughs) (laughs) That's great because, you know, um, I totally agree with what you're saying because, uh, you know, uh, although emailing is like a very formal way of, um, of approaching someone, the age of social media, you need to be able to connect to venues, right? I wonder now, what if, because most of videographers, at least for videographers, are a little bit shyer on the shy side, as opposed to like photographers or DJs, mm-hmm. that they can just easily reach out. Yeah. What, what are your tips for people who are very shy? And because I, I think it's, my my fear is that I won't be able to connect with you because I don't have the same personality or something like that. Like what's the best way for you to connect with someone? I definitely understand the shyness. I actually had a videographer this weekend who was so shy. And the ironic thing was it's his first time meeting me, but we had the same last name and I was like, Hey, my last name's Bagley too. And 
she was like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> you know, like that was the invitation to be like, hey, let's talk and chit chat and be a little bit more open. But it, it just didn't fly with him. And he was younger. Um, I think, you know, for these people who are shy, I think sometimes you have to get past that because I certainly have situations where I feel shy, but at the same time, I have to push myself to bust out of that box and make relationships with people. And that's something that is really important. And if you're shy, you know, it's okay sometimes if you just let the person know, hey, I'm shy. So don't take that as me not being interested or, you know, whatever. But in other words, you're going to need to prod me a little bit to get a little bit more out of me. And of course, somebody like me, I can definitely do that and, <laughs> and make up for their shyness. So you, this is a business that you have, right? So you need mm -hmm. to put a mask on and just go out there and connect with people. Because if you're, at least for me, that's what I feel like. If you're not really serious with your business, it's going to be hard for you to, you, you need to put a little bit more effort in there, right? Yes. I always say you just always need to be smiling and outgoing. And we've certainly all gone through stuff. I've certainly gone through tragedy that my son got attacked brutally three years ago on a Saturday while I was doing a wedding. And I had to fly down to the hospital in the trauma center where he was on a Friday night and got back here on Saturday, just in time for my wedding. My clients did not know. And I had to put that mask on. I had to put that mask on and be okay. Even though my son's face was crushed in, you know, and, as a mom, all the emotions as a parent, I'm sure if you have children, you know what that's like. I had to put a mask on because this was their weekend. And while yes, they would have been sympathetic towards me, this was their weekend to have a good time. And I had to put that mask on and I didn't get to just be sad. I had to be Dixie, the wedding planner and Dixie, the venue owner and work it out. And part of business is knowing, you know, that you've got to do that sometimes because we're in an industry where we're providing a service that makes people happy. And I think also for us vendors, our goal is to, well, number one is the client, like make sure that they get uh, the best service possible. But also mm -hmm. at the same time, when I started out, I came from the Philippines and I knew how to speak English, but not like California English. So I had to like immerse myself <laughs> into the culture, but that's what I did first. Like, instead of me chit-chatting with, I have no idea what baseball is, I have no idea what football is, instead of me chatting with people, I just offered help. Like, our, right. our goal is to be able to make our day as smooth as possible, right? How do you feel about that? I, it's definitely, I mean, I, I don't take my job lightly. I always say, I always tell people, I'm like, don't come at me with any negativity on the weekends because... I've got to stay in a positive frame of mind because of the services I provide. My mood reflects if I'm in a bad mood or I'm stressed or anything like that, my clients pick up on it 100%. And so being positive and keeping that demeanor is very important in this industry and especially on the weekends or anytime that you're interacting with your clients or any other vendors because that carries through. I mean, if you are a vendor and you're fabulous and you seem unhappy or grumpy or disgruntled or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm probably not going to want to work with you. And I'm probably not going to recommend you to my clients because when my clients come to me, they're used to my demeanor and me being Southern hospitality and open and friendly and loving. And if I send them to somebody who doesn't reflect that attitude, that's way off-putting for them. That's right. So, well, it's very hard to go back to normal when you're in this situation, right? So maybe like connect before going into the wedding day, right? Mm 
And Absolutely. Is that part? So uh, my question now is, um, what are your requirements for a vendor to be part of a vendor list? So for me, um, they have to be in good standing in the community, um, not just with other vendors, but with clients as well. Um, of course, everybody's going to have a complaint here or there. You know, I, I always look into that to see if it's just a silly thing or a legitimate, you know, complaint. Most of the time, they're unfortunately silly um, for the most part. <laughs> if somebody has, you know, one complaint or something like that. But um, insurance, being an insured vendor is a requirement of mine that I don't budge on. Um, being on time for meetings, doing your due diligence and coming to the venue and getting to know the venue prior to the wedding day is so huge <laughs> and communicating with the other vendors. I use timeline genius um, when I do all my timelines. And so a month to a week out, most of the time a month out, all of my vendors have each other's connections. And if you're a good vendor, you're going to go ahead and start following each other on social media and message them and be like, Hey, I can't wait to meet you or communicate through that timeline somehow to kind of form that bond and community with the team that you're going to be working with for the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I remember, um, people, I, I'm friends with a lot of venue owners and coordinators that handle venues. And you know, the, the main complaint is the after, especially for videographers and photographers, the after service, like, um, they fail to deliver the services, like the products, like the photos and the videos, they fail to give mm -hmm. it or they lost the files or that's the nightmare. Right. But the thing is also, there's like a reputation when it comes to venues for um, people tell couples like, don't trust the vendor list because the vendor list is usually like they pay to get in there and blah, blah, blah. So how do you feel about that? <laughs> that is a big you know, thing out there that a lot of people think um, that they've heard that. And sometimes it's valid. Sometimes there are venues that do that. I personally don't do that. I've never done that. And I think it's unethical to be quite honest. So, but to each their own, I think it's important. I let all of my clients know that my vendor list, which is now my personal vendor list is a Facebook page um, because there's 250 vendors on there. I've been doing this for a long time and I love all of those vendors that are in that group, you know, but um, I tell them, I'm like, these people that are in that group are people that I trust that if something were to happen to me, God forbid, and they were booked for your wedding that I still feel comfortable that they're going to come through with the services. They're all insured, you know, and have good reputation. And I'll, I make it very clear to my clients that that is something I feel strongly about. It's written in my contract that they will not use an uninsured vendor. Um, no matter what, they're not going to be allowed out here. So even if they pick them and they don't have insurance, even if I like their work, they're probably not going to be out. Here. Um, and that's for their protection as well as mine. Um, but, you know, that's just something you really have to, you have to have a, a trust with your client as a venue owner to make your clients understand that. And also it, them being able to see that online. So, for example, I always tell vendors um, they want to send me a thank you card or a Starbucks card. And I'm like, I don't need any of that, but I would love for you to go online and leave me a Google review or a Facebook review. Like, that's the best thing you could do for me is get online and talk about how awesome it was to work with me. And I'm going to do the same for you. Just like what I always tell people, if you want to approach, of, uh, if you want to network with other people, your first question should always be, how can I help you? Because yes. that's, that's the goal, right? To connect also. Setting each other up for success. 
Yeah. So just in case there's an issue already with the venue or uh, with a fellow vendor, but usually like whatever's the issue is with the venue, how, what would you think is the best practice to be able to resolve or at least like talk about that issue? I definitely think it's something to talk about. Um, It's very rare that I have problems with a vendor. Um, But for example, there are times when a vendor may not be responding as quickly to a client that I recommended them to and the client's getting antsy or starting to doubt the choice that was made, especially with COVID. People have really been a little lax in how quickly they respond. And, you know, we kind of all got into the settle down, not in a hurry mode. It was kind of nice for a second. Um, But I definitely reach out to them. I'm like, hey, you know, my client's concerned you're not answering as fast is there something going on and I try to reach out to them personally because I believed in them enough to recommend them to my client um I also reiterate to that vendor that it's my reputation as well that's on the line when they don't answer promptly and just really have a talk about it and see what the problem is most of the time it's just busy it's life it's stuff like that you know what I mean it's never really a big problem and the times that it has been a big problem where we're going to have to end the relation, it's, it's unfortunate. It's one of those things you just got to sit down and talk about because sometimes people, you know, take a different route in their business and we're no longer compatible for whatever reason. And if that's the case, that's the case. It's better to go ahead and dissolve that and, and be nice about it than to have it take a turn for the worse and a customer, you know, suffer or me suffer. Man, that's one of my fears is a venue or a fellow vendor or a coordinator emailing us like, hey, is everything okay? Because, oh my gosh, I could just imagine my wife just going crazy if I don't answer emails. <laughs> <laughs> so, I um, emailed, I emailed the planner from this past weekend because she didn't tell me who the florist was. She did, but she didn't say it in writing. So I didn't know okay. who to tag in the photo. And I had um, emailed her and I said, hey, what's the florist's name again? Um, and she goes, why? What did she do? Did she do something wrong? That was her immediate response. Like she was panicking. And I was like, no, she was phenomenal. I said, it just wasn't written down anywhere. And I just want to make sure I give her credit, um, you know, on her beautiful florals. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good reaction because you know that they care, right? Yes. Okay. So now I, um, when it comes to leading up to the event, the day of, um, do you have any advice with communication from a vendor to the venue? So as far as communicating leading up to the event, I definitely think it's beneficial to reach out to the the venue if they don't reach out to you first or the planner doesn't reach out to you and see when those final walkthroughs are going to be scheduled with that client. I know for me personally, it's very productive if I can in advance a month or so let the vendors for the, my client know when our final walkthrough is and if they can all be here and meet each other that day together and we can all you know powwow about it together that's really beneficial and for me as a venue owner and a wedding planner that makes me look at that vendor and go they really take this seriously um, and even if they can't to say hey you know what I can't that day but you know can I join via zoom or you know Facebook call or something like that FaceTime just to put forth the effort to be a part of that. When vendors don't put forth the effort to be a part of that final walkthrough, there is a little, you know, voice in the back of my head thinking that maybe they don't take this as seriously as I do. And I do take this very seriously. And the majority of my vendors 
you know, take this very seriously. I mean, I promise to give somebody these services for a large sum of money for what is going to be a one-time thing, hopefully, <laughs> for them. And, you know, and I really strive for excellence and I want all the vendors to feel the same way. You know, I want them to have the same compassion. I mean, you know, if it, if it were my child, you know, getting married, I would want vendors to do that for me. Um, and so I, I think that that really builds trust and security. And those, those vendors that do that and the venue owners, the people that do that, that family is not ever going to forget them. If something comes up, they're going to call you back because they're going to be like, they had my back 100%. You know, I didn't have to worry about anything. They went above and beyond and treated me like family and took care of all of our needs. Yeah, they, that's right. Because um, I forgot who said it, but uh, someone said that people will never remember what you did to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. And really? that is Maya exactly Angelou. my, my yeah. Angelou. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's perfect because that's exactly what happens when it, especially for these things that like, it's a milestone in a person's life, you know, so they're, they're always going to remember it. Yeah. I consider it. I mean, it's <laughs> cheesy, but I really consider it an honor that these families trust me with their child or their family members wedding and big day enough to instill letting me make these decisions and depending on me to help pick the people who are going to carry this day out. I consider that a huge honor that somebody trusts me with that. Not just one yeah. person, but at this point I've done over 400 events. And that's when you sit back and look at it, that's a lot of people who've trusted you to do something for them. And it's an honor and a blessing. And the fact that they paid you a lot of money too is wow yeah. like you really trust us uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I feel like that should be a drive for people when they run a business is that these people they trust you with the, these aren't companies that pay you money these are their hard-earned money and they deserve yeah. the service that you know they're paying you so that's that i feel like that's how that's what should reflect on a vendor's business model right Absolutely, yes. So now, just like what I said earlier, I've always wanted to have a venue. And <laughs> be, living in the, the United States, it's, I feel like it's so hard because land is so expensive here. And, you know, there are, I know there are elements that will go up against my decision in buying a venue. Yes. So what are your tips for someone like me who is um, looking at uh, buying a venue or creating one. But before you even think about what your answer is, I'd love to quickly thank our friends from HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a CRM, which stands for Customer Relationship Management System. And that software helps us manage and organize our customers' data. Clients always comment on how fast we respond to their inquiries. Since HoneyBook is one of the only small business CRMs that has an app, we get an alert every time someone fills out our contact form. And then we are able to send them a brochure right away. It all boils down to the customer experience. The more you make it easy for them, the more comfortable they will be in handing you their money. By eliminating that part of your business, you get to have your life back. And your clients will get the experience that they deserve. Win-win! If you use my referral link, you get 50% off your first year. And that's not all. I really want you to succeed. So once you become a member through us, you'll get a link to a video tutorial 
on how to set up your HoneyBook experience. Just click on the links in the show notes. So what was the answer to my question? I think you need to really ask yourself um, if that commitment's for you. It's a full-time commitment. It's not just a commitment that I have when I'm booked. It's a commitment every single day of the year, every minute of the day. It is a commitment. I always tell people, I'm like, the placement of the gravel, that's a commitment to me. Like making sure the gravel doesn't go into the grass, the little things like that. Making sure the grass is cut, making sure that people don't drive through my grass so that it's pretty for the next, you know, thing. Every single thing that goes into this place is a huge deal. And it's something that has to be given great thought. It costs money. I always tell people like when kids come out here and they're throwing our river rock into the grass, I'm like, I paid for that river rock, a lot of money. <laughs> and I've also paid a lot of money to have it particularly put in this section, you know, stuff like that. And so it's really a commitment and it's hard because some people come guest, you know, they just don't realize everything that goes into it. And they throw your rocks or they throw cigarettes into your stuff or, you know, they drive through your grass or do things that you're going to have to fix. And it's something that you have to commit to it and go, this is a full time baby. This is a full time baby that I'm going to have to always wake up and take care of. When I go to Wyoming or Montana, this venue still has to be taken care of. The grass still has to be cut every week. All of the, you know, the restrooms still have to be cleaned. We've got 36 restrooms. Um, it's oh, a wow. commitment. And you have to decide if you're able to handle the commitment it takes just to be able to run it. And also, if you've got what it takes to bring in revenue to support that venue, even when there are no weddings. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I want to ask you. In general, like as in general, generalization, um, how much money are we talking about? Like not, not necessarily Georgia. If I go to like Palm Springs or if I, you know, if I try to like put a number in my head, like a target number, what is usually the amount? Like, So I can tell you this for me in this venue here, um, it takes three months of revenue to cover my overhead. Three months so. of revenue to cover overhead. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you 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 purchased this right, the venue. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a painful answer, um, but it, when you when, and of course, I, I like that. I said our property is three hundred acres, so my taxes are different, you know, and everything like that. But I mean, when your taxes, your insurance, insurance is huge. I can't tell you how many wedding venues are out there that are not insured. And they have these itty bitty wedding prices. And that's why one day something's going to happen and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I've got to get insurance. I've got to raise my prices. And unfortunately, it takes a, something bad typically to happen for people to learn that. But when you, you know, sit there and look at everything and weigh your options of everything you need to have, not only to protect yourself in your own venue, but also your client's experience out here. It's, it's not cheap. Um, you know, and it's hard work. Um, nobody really wants to move chairs. Nobody wants to move 300 chairs, <laughs> you know, so it's like finding people to come out here and move chairs. You know, do you pay them 20, 30 bucks an hour to come out here for one hour and move chairs? Or do you suck it up as a venue owner and do it yourself? You know what I mean? Um, stuff like that. But it's a huge commitment to, to make sure you're taking care of everything and that you are looking at your cost of everything. And it's not always fun. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Oh man. But you know, that that's the thing. Like if you're committed, then it it's not going to be 
a task that you wouldn't want to do because this is like you're fully into this, right? Okay, yeah. so yeah. here's I'll, I'll give you my dream scenario because my dream okay. scenario is I'll buy a venue or I'll build one and then we're just going to be living at the back of the house. Oh, there's just going to be like a tiny house there where me and my wife are going to retire and the venue is just going to make money by itself. How realistic is that? And what do you think we should do if it's not realistic? <laughs> um, it is realistic. I live on my property. Um, you know, there are some pros and cons that come with that. Some of the cons that come with that are if, for example, this past weekend when I wasn't the planner and I didn't have to be up here the entire time and I could go back to my house and relax, I couldn't really relax. You know what I mean? Because I'm in the back of my brain, something may go wrong. Somebody may do something wrong. Somebody may light, accidentally light something on fire or, you know, I mean, it's happened. My office burned three years ago to the ground. Um, oh but, gosh. you know, so there's always something like that where I think when you live <laughs> on the property that while you're having an event, you're not really able to relax um, that much. So that's something you have to be prepared for. But as far as buying it and setting up that dream, I think it's a good idea to make sure that if you do do it, that your home is a pretty good distance away from your venue park because you are going to want some privacy um, <laughs> away from everybody else. And people will come to your house if they see it on site. Um, one day, we because we have so many cottages, uh, several years ago, a guy woke up and we were having breakfast up in the main barn for all the guests. And he came to our house and he just walked in the house and my teenage daughter was in there making cinnamon rolls. And fortunately, my children were, grew up in the wedding industry and were well-versed with strangers being around. And he walked in and she just went ahead and offered him a cinnamon roll. She didn't know that, you know, she was like, what? He's like in the wrong spot. And I walked in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, no, you're supposed to be up top. But it's okay. Have, some, have a cinnamon roll and some coffee. So, you know, there are things like that that, you know, and making sure that if you do it, that you've got some alternative plans for things that you can do and ways you can outsource that venue when you're not going to have weddings. I mean, like I said, I know that it, it takes three months of revenue for me to support this venue and carry the overhead of this venue. And so about five years ago, I was like, oh, I don't want to, in the summertime, I don't want to do weddings all weekend weddings, you know, two days, 15 hours a day of being up here in the heat and everything like that. And I sat down and I made these, what are now called micro weddings, but at the time I called them my pop-up wedding. And I sat down and I made some small packages where I do want to work in the summer, but I don't want to do a 15 hour day. You know, I want to do a four or five hour day. And I had to really sit down and look at my numbers and do a whole lot of, I'm one of those, I have to see it on paper, <laughs> like not a spreadsheet, but I got to write it down. And I wrote it down and what it was going to cost me and what I could provide within my comfort zone and still make a little bit of profit, you know what I mean? Instead of just taking off time and closing the venue down. Um, and it ended up being a really good match for me. And it's been something that's been, you know, very beneficial and successful. And to find other ways, instead of just being stuck in my way of this one package and this one offering, but finding other ways I can have offerings and still sometimes bring in some revenue with maybe not as much labor. Okay. So, so how do you feel about, I also thought about like renting a venue first. And then mm -hmm. renting a space and then turning it into a venue, see how it goes. How do you feel about that? I think there's some pros and cons to that. I've coached um, a family that recently did that. Um, and they, you know, a large part of the reason that I was having to coach them, by the way, I do venue coaching with the Bridal Society. But a large issue with th that they were having was 
first of all, they had um, way, um, way too many chiefs trying to, you know, say who does what and what's allowed at the venue. And when I say that, one of the chiefs was the owner of the building. However, he was leasing it to these people, and they had three people that were running the venue who felt like they knew the way to do everything, you know. And so there was way too many cooks in the kitchen right there. And we had to really go down to who's going to make the decision on the venue side. And then you have to work with that person who owns your your building and make sure that this, the decisions you're making will work for him. And he's okay with that. And you're not violating any terms of his lease. Or, you know, when you rent a place and you're having 200 people somewhere drinking and partying as an owner of a building, if I want to come to your house and say, hey, I'm going to have 200 people at your house and have a party, and I'm going to give you some money for it. But just so you know, I'm having a party with 200 people who are just going to have the best night of their lives. You're going to be a little concerned about that so that's always something making sure that you really have a full upfront honest you know full disclosure conversation with the person who you're going to rent that from and uh, in the city and the you know city ordinance of where you may be and making sure that you can make that happen and still provide a quality fun you know option for your clients and without upset right them. yeah and it always goes down to the team that you have, right? The vendor team that you have. That's why it's important to have a vendor list. Yeah. That's why it's important to have a good relationship with other mm -hmm. vendors, right? 100%. Yeah. So, okay. Now for venues, um, right now, uh, you know, it's, work is really hard. What yeah. is your advice for venues for them to safely earn money? Like, are there any, uh, are, are there any ways that they could make money while everything is going on right now? There's several ways, um, you know, uh, partnering up with some companies and seeing what other services you can offer. For example, I offer um, wedding invitations, um, you know, and wedding suits, jewelry, things like that, other things that people may order um, so they can come to us and I can place that order whether they're getting married here or not. So that's something that's a benefit for me to partner up with people like Carlson Craft and BBJ Linens. Um, you know, and, and go that route. That's a, a small way, but it is a way to earn commission. Another way is reaching out to your photographers. I mean, we've got all, everybody's always wanting family photos done or family or graduation or baby's first something or a holiday, reaching out to photographers and see if you can partner up and schedule a day to do some photos. A photographer makes some money. The venue makes some money. We all get the social media plugs for it. Um, and, you know, and that just little things like that helping to stay afloat. Oh, my gosh, you guys, you're welcome. That is like a super really good, a really <laughs> good tip. Because um, more than anything, you're keeping your clients safe by mm -hmm. just taking them into your venue as opposed to the photographer bringing them to a park and exposing the people. Right, right. So mm -hmm. that's a really, really good idea. I, I need to approach one of my venue friends about that. <laughs> So, well, I mean, it's great because I get tagged in the photos. You know what I mean? My venue correct. does. Um, the client's probably going to tag my place, you know, and so it gets it out there. So our ROI is the publicity that we're getting on social media from that and still making a little bit of money for the day, you know, as opposed to just not making any at all. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's good publicity, just like what you said, because I, I was mm -hmm. talking to um, someone online earlier and I was saying that, you know, um, for me, 
I don't really like posting on social media right now that if ever I work, I don't want to post it because my client base are doctors and nurses and, you know, people who are like essential. And once they see me going out there and being risky and stuff, I'm pretty sure they're going to be pissed because we've, we've had, (laughs) we've had uh, some of our old couples who uh, talk to us. Like I've seen the photographer, you know, the, why are they going out of the house and blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm, I know at the back of their mind. So, so that's why as a venue, if you show that you're safely handling all these people in a very safe environment, I think that's going to be good publicity for you too. That's an amazing advice. So um, I would love it. If there's one takeaway that you want people who are listening and watching this, if there's one takeaway for vendors who are trying to get into a venue or trying to communicate with a venue, what is that one takeaway that you would love them to have? Call them, reach out to them. Don't be scared. Um, just reach out to them, not with a cold email. <laughs> reach out to them and get to know them and get to know their venue and go hang out with them for a day and see what it takes to run the back of the house. Cause if you know the back of that venue's house, that vendor, the venue is going to want you there. Because if you know the back of the house for me as a photographer, videographer, I mean, that's a no brainer. You know, I'm going to feel 100% comfortable with you being here because I trust that if for some reason I couldn't be here to micromanage or watch over everything, that you still know my place and you know how to take care of it and you know where to take the clients and everything like that. So getting to know them and getting to know the person who runs the venue and just really becoming tight with them and supporting each other is hands down one of the best things you can do. That's perfect. So, so you're saying that if you're one person less that we need to worry about, you're in. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Set each other up for success. I mean, know each other, know each other's like, if you're going to work with me, I need to know your likes and your dislikes and what's a hard no for you in your business. And the same with me, you need to know for me and my venue, what's a hard no, what do I love? You know what I mean? And stuff like that. So not only can we work well to, with each other, but we can also work well with the client on telling the client what to expect from each other and making the client happy and coming together to meet their needs. That's perfect. I love that. So, okay. Now that for people who want to communicate with you, want to email you, what's the best way for them to approach you? And um, if you have anything coming up in the coming months? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anybody that you can always reach out to me via email. I have a really simple email. It's Dixie does weddings at gmail.com. So you can always reach out to me that way. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook on Instagram at we are Dixie the Farm Rome GA and Dixie Events. I also have the Sweet Bar Bakery. <laughs> the list goes on and on there. Um, and the same thing for Facebook, the Farm Rome GA. I also have the Tillman Hanger, which is an airplane hanger that's a venue. The Sweet Bar and Dixie Events on there. Um, and of course, you can go to the Bridal Society and search Venue Coach, and I'll pop up in there. Um, but yeah, just anyway, I'm super. I'm an open book. I'm one of those people you can message me or text me or email me and I'm going to be happy to respond back to you and answer any questions or just kind of get to know each other and just say hi. So it's all, uh, you know, great things. I'm, I never turn down, you know, or overlook somebody that just wants to say hello and get to know each other. Oh my gosh, Dixie, this topic, I'm glad this is what we talked about because you just, 
my hopes of having a venue is <laughs> it's lit again. So I thank well, you so I'm much. I'm going to be out of town for about the next month. So if you want to come down to Georgia and stay or get your fill of it, come on. <laughs> I would love, I, I actually want to talk to you about something, but um, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You, I'm sure you've helped a lot of people and I'm sure they are going to be in contact with you soon. Thank yeah. you so much, Dixie. Thank you so much for your time. All the best to you. Thanks so much, Dixie, for joining us. If you want to learn more about her, feel free to click on the links in the show notes. Just in case you want to learn more about running your wedding videography business, but you want to read it in shorter bite-sized formats, the Wedding Boss podcast has a blog, and that's where I post most of the cool information that I've just gathered from everywhere. You don't need to be a wedding videographer to read the blog posts because they're mostly business and I'm sure you're going to learn something from them. I also have a YouTube channel that I'm starting to revamp. So if you want to watch the interviews, it will be there. All of the links are going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've learned anything from today's episode, I'd really appreciate it if you write a review or subscribe to my show. That would really help a lot to keep the show going. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. This is the Wedding Bossness Podcast. Podcast.